two. Check one, two. Mic check. Hello, hello. All right. Everything seems to be pretty good at this point. You got your book set up. Yeah, yeah. We got our drinks ready to open. We won't open them quite. Oh, man. I just dropped it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. I'm getting too hype. Yeah, yeah. Let's fucking do this. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda and spiked seltzer in the fridge. Cheers, my friend, my dude. Bonneville. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Never had this before. Down the hatch. This is uh, the grapefruit version. Mm. Pretty light. Yeah. Little uh, flowery almost. Yeah. 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 This is nice. This is good. Not sponsored, but uh, Bon and Viv <laughs> yet, spiked seltzer. Where did you find this? Um, I think I went to a bar and they were out of White Claw. And so I was like, well, I do you have anything apparent that's like close to it? And they were like, yeah, we got Bon and Viv. I'm like, cool. I'll take it. Cool. Sounds good. If I get sponsored, if, if my band or me personally get sponsored by any seltzer, I'll be stoked. It can be Bonneviv. It could be White Claw. It could be any of them. All right. So for those of you out there in internet land that don't know this handsome gentleman that's sitting right next to me, this is my boy, Christian Freeberg. Long time I've known this dude. He's a good dude. He's a musician. He's a, a singer guy, a songwriter guy, a book making poet type of guy lots of things that this guy is doing but i think you're here today mostly to talk about these books but we'll yep. talk a little bit about everything sure. so christian freeberg make some noise for the internet yo what up internet people how many people uh do you think are watching this right now right now yeah we're like not right live this moment we're not live so no one's watching no it right one's now. watching this right now cool that makes yeah. that like takes the pressure <laughs> off <laughs> yeah we are not live so <laughs> You don't got to worry about that. Anytime you see anything like on Facebook, it's yeah. like a live premiere. It's yeah. all pre-recorded. It's all lies. It's all lies. The internet is all lies. I I'm mean, just, I'm fair. just contributing to you know <laughs> the lie of the internet. <laughs> so, dude, yo, how the fuck have you been? Good, man. Uh, you know, it's always good seeing you. We always see each other like randomly out at like uh, different music events and stuff, and. I'm usually hiding in a corner somewhere, just like soaking everything in. And you always come up and say hi. So. You're probably working on these books. Yeah. I that, like most <laughs> of my poetry just comes from like, like uh, in the moment, like something I'll just like think of something. So it's always like, I'm always in my head about everything. So like the, it does make for, I think it helps for like uh, writing the process of writing. Like if you're always thinking about stuff and worried about things, it can be a bad thing, but you can also use that like as creative energy. So that's kind of how I, that's like how I think I like to use it, at least. Yeah, I've used writing a lot to try to relax whenever I'm like lost in my thoughts and you know things are rotating real crazy and there's all this noise. It's like I need a way to get this out. Yeah. So it's just like, but I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You know, so I'm so fucking <laughs> introverted. It's Which, and there's nothing wrong with people. It's not like I don't I don't like people, but like there's just times where like yeah, you just I guess sometimes I describe myself as introverted, but I I kind of don't like that either because i do like people just sometimes it's easier for me to like observe them i think and uh, this is uh, a thing that's been coming up a lot on the show recently so i apologize for 
uh you know common listeners of the show that i'm getting into this again but there's this like introverted extrovert thing that i think is just a byproduct of our generation Mm -hmm. and the internet and how constantly connected we are to everything even when we don't want to be you know and i mean if we're uh you know fuck like i just want to be alone today chances are at some point in time you're probably going to get on your phone and then all of a sudden you're not alone anymore yeah you know you're digitally overwhelmed you're like at the 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 most crowded party on the planet at any given time yeah how are we supposed to keep up yeah it's like you could say like oh i'm spending the night in and then like the whole night you're just on your phone looking at what everyone else is doing it's like you're still like trying to be a part of that energy but it's like i have a this is a funny thing and i actually never thought about this until just now but i have those friends that are like oh fuck the south side i don't want to go down there it's too crazy it's too crowded fuck lawrenceville too crazy too crowded i'm like but you're just like on your instagram and your phone all the time like that's how i the feeling that i get going through like a facebook timeline mm-hmm. is the feeling that maybe somebody might get trying to get from point a to point b on east carson street yeah it's just like i have one specific thing that i'm looking for that i want to do and i have to dodge all these stupid things from all these other people that for some reason i've let into my social life yeah you know that's, and that's, uh, that's just how i feel yeah i i, I totally buy into that too and i'm also i guilty of being the person that's like fuck south side i'm not going to south side just because like all I think about is walking from A to B. I'm just like, there's going to be people everywhere. Like, I'm not going to be able to get anywhere I want to go. So, like, <laughs> I'm definitely guilty of that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fair point, though. And I don't know. Like, I think that, I don't know, it, maybe as you get older, it's like a thing where you just, like, the commotion and, like, the the noise and all that stuff, like, just wears on you more. And you you feel like you don't want to be around people. But then, like, when you're by yourself, like, I don't know, at least me, like, I definitely feel lonely like a lot of the time, but like don't really do anything about it. Usually usually I'm like writing or I'll watch TV or something, but it's, I think it's just like with age, like you just, the idea of going out becomes like exhausting to you. You're just like, oh, I just, I don't know if I can do it tonight, but then you want to be a part of it. You're like, you're watching a social media, like, Oh, that party looks fun. I sure. I wish I was there. But, it's like the, it's like the getting there and the getting back. That's annoying to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's like a lot of times where it's like, Oh fuck. Like, I want to go to Noodlehead, and it's like, but we have to park <laughs> over there. Yeah, it's like I would rather go anywhere else that I could park easier, regardless of how fucking good that place is. Yeah. It's just like I just don't want to deal with getting there. Yeah. If I could just snap my fingers and be there, I'd be down. Mm-hmm. Or even like go into like shows that are just like five ten minutes away from my house. Sometimes it's like I just like, uh, I don't feel like making the yeah the journey to get there. I want to be there, but all the extra shit that I have to go through. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. There's this uh, one band, Trust. I haven't seen them yet. Shout out to Trust. But I want to see Trust so bad. And they've had so many shows where I'm like, all week, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. End of the week, I'm going to go to this Trust show. And then like, you get to the end of the week and like, maybe you had a bad day at work or like, who knows, whatever it is. And you're just like, I don't have the capacity to like, get there. Not tonight. And it's like, it's it feels defeating. But also I think like, it also plays into like self care. Like you, like you shouldn't force yourself to do things if you're not in a state to do them. Sure. But then there's the other side. It's like I have other friends that say like, oh, I think you should push yourself outside your comfort zone. It's like, yeah, that's also true. It's just a, it's just like this balancing act. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like I'm somebody. It's like I'm on the go all the time. I'm always going from 
different parts of the city. I have so many aspects of my life that exist in different corners of the city. Yeah. So I'm always moving around. And a lot of the time, by the end of the day, like I get home, I make dinner, and then it's like, okay, cool, time to go out to a show. It's mm-hmm. just like, I'm just like exhausted. Yeah. Just life is exhausted. Straight up, yeah. like exhausted. Yeah. And I know that, like, I do a lot of stuff and a lot of people have this assumption that like I don't sleep, but like I'm really good at actually being surprisingly lazy for as much as I get done. But maybe just my definition of lazy is different from other people's. Yeah. But it's important to take care of yourself. It is. Yeah. If you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's going to make everything in your life that you care about suffer. Yeah. You know, whether you're in a band or you're writing a book or you're an artist, like Mm -hmm. you need to take that time away from all that stuff and just, focus on you to put yourself in the best place you can be so for the greater good yeah after after i wrote i think with each of these books when i knew i'd gone to a point where i had the poems that i wanted for the book i didn't write for like probably like months like between these two books there was like a time for like two months where i was just like i'm just gonna let things happen instead of worrying about was this thing that happened was there like poetic value to it was there something was there some weight to that situation that I could write about and just like let it happen and then come back to it when I feel like refreshed and stuff. But that's what I love about poetry though. Like it's so you can do it on your own and it's, it's all based on like the work effort that you put into it. Like, cause I do have a band and the band's like another great outlet, but the band is such a collaborative thing and you have to, everyone has to like line up and everyone has to like have the same like work effort and workforce to do it. But poetry is something that is always gravitated towards cause it's such a, individual art form to to like take a part of yeah let's talk a little bit about you have two books here yeah one of them is the newer one in the fire in the garden yes this is the book that i just finished this year um i'm taking pre-orders for it right now but i do uh, a bulk order i'll do a bulk order at the end of this month um and that's just usually based on like there's i don't have a website i don't have like any social media for it it's just kind of word of mouth like i usually sell the book to friends and family primarily and then sometimes there's some reach to someone i don't even know but they like heard about it from their friends so um i just kind of order based on the the number of people that are interested in it um but this one i just finished uh last i think it was like the beginning of september i finished it and it came together real fast um casey kovac does the graphic design for it um for this book he did the graphic design also for this one he did the illustrations as well uh and then my friend tyler everyone that's like involved this book are like friends of mine so it's great like we just like talk about the ideas and we like hang out and have drinks and we celebrate the success of the book like together it's really great um so my friend tyler rigorchik he's um training to be a tattoo artist but he's also a great artist already so i had i talked to him about doing the the cover and he was just like super stoked to do it and so he did it quickly like it's just it's so great to work with friends like you're just like hey uh i'm i'm thinking about getting this over to casey so he can start formatting it can you like send me your drawing and then like that day he's like yeah i got like drawings done i'll send it to you it's like, oh, can we change the color to this? And Casey's like, yeah, I'll change the color to this. And it just came together really fast yeah. compared to the, the first book. I think me and Casey were like learning how to do it. And um, there's some illustrations in the first book that were like really detailed that took a while. But this book came together like probably like, three weeks. Yeah, it's a learning experience. Yeah. And, you know, you don't you need to go through those processes to learn how to do things. You have to do things wrong, learn how to do them right, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And 
even with something as probably unintentionally isolating as doing poetry, mm-hmm. there's still that power of collaboration and working with other people when it comes to all of the other aspects of like actually, you know, putting it into a book and marketing it and getting it out there and things yep. like that. And the collaboration is always my favorite thing with doing anything creative, whether it's putting out a book or writing a song or even like making dinner, like having somebody else to like help chop the veggies makes it a that's lot a more really fun. romantic activity as well. Yeah. Love making dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. So if Christian is going to make some dinner, <laughs> what, do you have like a thing that you're like, yeah, I fucking slay at this. Or are you just ah. happy to try whatever? So right now my apartment has a really, if anyone's seen my kitchen, they know it's, it's so small. It's smaller than half this table and it's all behind doors. There's no counter space, but I have perfected, and sorry to my vegan friends. I have perfected uh, my steak. Okay. So I can make a really, really good medium rare steak. Like I do, usually do a ribeye. And I, uh, I like have had conversations with other friends interested in making steak about like the best way to make it. And we like try different methods. And I have a friend, um, her name's Kato, and she's actually like a really great chef in her own right. So she like gave me some tips on how to make my steak. I'm not going to give it away, but like I can make a really good ribeye steak, especially if you want like a medium rare. That's awesome. Yeah. But that's like, that's the only thing I really cook anymore. Like usually I'm just making like salads and chicken and rice. I have a pretty staple diet like through the week. And then on the weekend, I just like go all out. Just go to restaurants, get brunch okay. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I try to eat healthy. Don't have a lot of counter space. So I can't cook a lot. I can't like have a big like, uh, like, some recipe that calls for a bunch of preparation is not gonna like do well in my kitchen, but I'm your guy for a good ribeye steak. All right, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> so whenever you you know have like a a big book release party, yeah, it needs to be like catered yeah, by I, you I, I, in your apartment. With, yeah, because yeah. I feel like you probably do. You think if you got behind a normal stove, you'd be able to make a steak anywhere? Or is there something about your the environment? No, I can make a steak. You anywhere. do make a steak anywhere? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And if people came to my house to make a steak, they or if I made them a steak and they came to my house, there would be two chairs for people and one <laughs> and one recliner. Because me and my roommate, we had this conversation. We were like, "Yeah, let's get like leather recliners, like uh, Joey and Chandler did in Friends." And I I pulled mine at the bargain. I got the recliner. But he never got his. So if you walk into my living room, there's just this sad little <laughs> one recliner in front of this TV and this table, and it looks. It looks kind of creepy. It's like, are you sure you have a roommate? Yeah, I have a roommate. Like, why is only one chair? It's like, oh, he just he just never bought a chair. It's, it's not a big. He deal. never bought his recliner. Maybe someday he will. Get that fucking recliner. Yo, Get it. But my roommate's awesome. So shout out, shout out to Andrew. Love Andrew. Shout out. So with this book right now, yeah. you're taking pre-orders for the book. Yeah. 25 bucks, you yeah. said. Is yeah, there yeah. a uh, anticipated release date? I know that you mentioned to me that you're going to be doing um, something at Black Forge. Yes. Like a, a, a release event sort of thing. Yes. Um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Book release event sounds good. But I, <laughs> I reached out to Ashley. Um, I've, I've been following Ashley for a long time. I know she's like super hard worker and like super passionate about Black Forge. And I was like, and my book, my poems tend to be, I think if, I think an overarching theme of my books is like a, a darker mentality, kind of emotions that are a little more taboo. And I think it kind of fits in line with the vibe of that venue itself. And, uh, so I messaged, I just messaged her. Like, I don't know her. I never even talked to her, but I just messaged her. I was like, Hey, uh, I would love to just like 
I don't know, like set up a table at your place and talk about my book. If people want to talk about it or, or sell it, or I don't, I don't do readings. I think that's a normal thing people do with their books as they read from them. But um, for me personally, like I'm, I don't like reading them out loud. That's not the, I don't think that's the kind of poetry that I make. And I have a lot of respect for people that do do the poetry and they do the spoken word. And I think that's like a, a great, awesome thing. But for me personally, I don't think that it would be as enthralling as having it in your hands and reading it and letting it like soak that's in. That's so interesting because I could see that coming from somebody that maybe doesn't have like a, a, a like a public speaking or performance background, yeah. but you do. Yeah. So it's definitely not that. It's not like a like a stage fright thing. It's, no, no, definitely not. It's, it's, it's just it's just. For me, if it just if it doesn't feel right, that's just not right. You yeah. should force yourself to do it. Yeah, I feel like I do modern short poetry, so these aren't these aren't very long poems, and it would just I feel like these are poems that you're meant they're meant to just ruminate in your head, like as you're reading it. I, I my hope is that you're um, being moved by the words, and you're thinking about how you connect to that poem, and it's just kind of yours to read and make your own personal connections to it, and. I just never, I just don't think it translates well to, for me to like speak it to people. Yeah, because you want people to take time with each one. So yeah. it's like, okay, I'm going to read this poem that doesn't take a very long time. Mm-hmm. And then we're all going to sit in this room and think about it mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And then I'll read the next one. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not what you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, at least for my put. I mean, I did do, and I did do spoken word. Um, how I got into poetry actually is through um, I don't know. Do you know William James? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, William James. Um, I went to a punk show and he did his thing. He just I, he does. I call it punk rock poetry. I think he's called it that once or twice before. But um, I, I think it was like it, a light bulb went off my head. Like I was just like, oh, I could I can deliver a vocal performance and that also is an expression of my writing and that's what spoken word poetry is and it can be passionate and it can be like heavy so i really i saw i was really um into that and i did it a couple times with him like i went to poetry slams that he invited me to and it's fun and it's cool and i really liked it but i think that there's some part of me that when i felt like i was performing the poetry it just felt a little I don't know. It felt to me like I was forcing emotions that weren't really there. Like, I think that spoken word poetry is a really great art form. But for me personally, in the the poems that I write, I don't ever want to like fake the emotions behind it just so that it delivers well. Yeah, like for the sake open, of performance. For the sake of performance. Yeah. For entertainment. To score points, whatever they do sure. at the slams, which is I, and I know slam on slams, but. <laughs> <laughs> I did it on purpose. Okay. No slams on slams. I, they're great. I, from from my poetry, though. It's just not. What, it's just not your thing. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm realizing that. Like I, I'm a pretty. I don't know. I think I I maybe take myself too seriously. But at, at least when it comes to poetry, like I just love that I can just write it down, hand it to someone. At one time, I was at a party, um, and it was all of my really close friends, and they all had bought books because they're all being super supportive, and we were drinking. And we were playing um, Palace, and I someone said like, "Oh, if you whoever loses Palace, or if, it's like if they won, anyways." It ended up that my friend had to read my book front to back out loud, oh. and like, and as she read it, she she like 
she started tearing up and like and it made it really like i was like oh that's not that wasn't the point it was supposed to be like uh, haha this is funny you have to read this front to back but she like got like choked up as she was reading it and i was just like that's that's cool that made me feel good it made me feel like what i'm doing with writing is right and is like i don't know not helping people but it's it's something people attach you're able to make a connection yeah that's all it's about making that connection i think that's the most important thing in a lot of art um you know it's real easy as an artist to overlook that and create things from an unintentionally or sometimes intentional just place of selfishness yeah but i think having that awareness that okay once this is done you want other people to engage with this right Mm -hmm. so what are you doing to initiate the conversation? Cause yeah. like, you know, music or poetry, you know, it's conversation with the listener. Yeah. So what are you doing to start that conversation and keep that conversation going? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you connect the dots to something in a complete stranger's head or somebody, they may even be a friend, but they're not expecting to interact with this thing that you're putting in their lap. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you connect with them? So the way that they're conversating back is they're connecting it to things that have happened in their life and their own experiences. So they want to continue to engage with it. And it, uh, I don't know, that's a tricky thing to do, but it's very possible. That's the whole reason why I fell in love with a lot of the music that I did is because Mm -hmm. it was able to do that. It was able to connect with me on a deeper level. You know, I remember this is a mildly embarrassing, but it's not really embarrassing. It's just, it sounds going to sound really silly when I say it out loud. But I remember the first time that I connected with a song or an album or a band in an emotional way. Yeah. I was in eighth grade and I was having an argument with a, with a girl that I was dating. And I remember listening to Stain's album, Dysfunction. And there was a part on the, I don't know, just Aaron Lewis or whatever that dude's name is, just beating himself up, you know, the the way that he does. And I remember like connecting with this. I remember feeling like, you know what? This is how I feel right now. (laughs) So anytime I think about like the way that you can connect with music, it's like for better or worse, Stained always comes in my head as a band that, you know, it connected with me. But hey, you know, I'm a product of the new metal generation. You know, 1985, I was born. In 2000 and or what? Yeah, 2000. I was 15 years old. Give me a break, bro. Of course, stained was my shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln Park, System of a Down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lincoln Park, I remember my dad got me um, when CDs were still being like bought and purchased. Like, I, my dad did a stocking stuffer of. Um, oh, I'm not embarrassed. What's the first Lincoln Park album Hybrid called? Theory. Thank you. God, I will. I still defend that shit to this day. I'm it's a just, fucking fantastic record. If you ask any of my close friends, does Christian say that Hybrid Theory is one of the top 10 albums of all time? They will tell you that yes, he does. And then oh, and they're yeah. like, wait, is he serious? And they'll be like, yeah, he's serious. I think it's one of the top 10 albums of it's all time. It's a great fucking record on so many different levels. They were, they were, They were doing something that no one else was doing at a level that we didn't understand would be as good as it could ever yeah like the the songwriting is really clutch Mm -hmm. like you could like that's the thing is okay cool it's like this weird rap rock rap metal hip-hop thing you know that's all mixed together but you could take any song off that fucking album and play it on piano and just sing the melody like they're all like really well structured melodies chords rhythm progression songs Mm -hmm. and then you pull the lyrics and it's like is that a metal song or is that an emo song yeah no like really really emotive super super 
easy to connect with, but yeah. really well written songs. The production on the album was out of this world for the time. It really like changed a lot of shit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I fucking love that album to death. Me too. It's Top a fantastic 10. record. Yeah. That was one of the first bands. I, whenever I, uh, I was on a date once with this girl and I said that I said something to the, uh, to the effect of like, Oh yeah. Like uh, Lincoln park was like the first band that made me feel like it was okay to be like a sensitive young man, to be like a teenager who was like sensitive and in touch with his feelings. And I think the bartender laughed too. Cause he probably thought, <laughs> I, was, he probably thought I was like some kind of line. I was like, like throwing out her, but I was just like very, I was just like opening up to her about like ho- who I am as a person. And, but I, I, <laughs> but I swear by it, like, I, I didn't, I like, I was like, oh man, like this guy is writing about like, really sad stuff and he sounds really lonely and i was like it's but like that's how i feel and i just didn't know that men were allowed to express themselves like that so like kudos to chester man like he opened my eyes for sure yeah no they were a fantastic band and yeah definitely i think that most of the time people that i know like of our age demographic most of them that were like actually listen to the album get it yeah but yeah. I feel there's a lot of people that, you know, just kind of always wrote that band off, which is fine. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, it's like for some reason, Linkin Park is a bit of like a, a meme of it sorts. Is, it is. Yeah. There's this stigma of like Linkin Park being like, yeah, it's like the butt of a joke sometimes. But I think mostly, mostly in, in a, a loving way. Yeah. But yeah, there definitely is this like stigma of like, oh, Linkin Park. Yeah. Like. But I mean, but yeah, they were a fucking great band, yeah, and there was amazing. so much good music that came out in that time period. I mean, you mentioned System of a Down. It's hard to argue how insanely talented that band is. And again, like on like I never even like being like you know fifteen years old and learning about prison reform unintentionally right. thanks to System of a Down. Yeah. Like you know, there's like a they were very uh, air quote woke. I suppose, but they, like, were. they put it in a, they put it in this nice package that really got a lot of young kids thinking and interested in political things. Yeah. I wrote a paper on the Armenian genocide because of pluck. Like I've, if I, if I had never heard that song pluck, like I would have no idea that that even happened. And I mean, and like, and that's part of like the part what they talk about is that like that Armenian genocide say it never happened. And that's why no one ever hears about it. And, because I listened to System of a Down, I got a history lesson in one of the biggest atrocities against humankind we've ever seen. But yeah, I, there's like definitely these like moments with bands that just stick with you like forever. You're just like, oh man, I remember hearing something political from a band and being like, oh, I should start thinking about political things. I should be aware of what's happened in the past and in the history. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything from that era was Limp Biscuit. No. It but even not. Limp Biscuit was kind of tight. They had their moments. They had their their fun songs. When we were you know, in, like, go ahead. We'll say this: like System of a Down, Lincoln Park. They were like textbooks mm-hmm. of sorts. Yeah. Say like say say if <laughs> the school of new metal. Yeah. All right. The great. School. I never thought about this before. So this is another this is another hot take. The school of new metal. Right. You had. Uh, okay. We'll say this: System of a Down were the textbooks that you should have read. Yeah. Lincoln Park was like the 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 good the good friend that you should have had that's yeah. able to talk you through your problems. Yep. Limp biscuit was like the pretzel that you ate at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> like it's tight, I'm happy it's there, but it's not like really contributing a whole lot to 
my day. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had like Slipknot who were like, they were kind of the bullies, but like, they're also like sweethearts once you get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely were. I mean, they, they, uh, yeah, uh, that's a really good analogy. Great job. On I, the, could, I, could prob- I could probably keep going. Yeah, I could I, keep going. By all means. The, the only thing, the only other band that I want to bring up from that era who yeah. I think um, a lot of people get it, but they're a band that has also been pretty misunderstood and misrepresented but deftones oh yeah insane they don't get their just deserves insane but the people that the people that get it give them their just deserves like no deftones was like on another level man like i remember i heard i think change is it called change parentheses fly on a wall or is this change change in the house of flies change in house of flies yeah i think that's the first deftones songs i heard and i was like deftones song i heard and i was like blown away i was like this is so creepy and heavy and beautiful and it's all at once like he's doing it all yeah that's definitely abandoning enough credit i think with now you mm-hmm. playing in a band i know you're here to talk about the books but let's talk about the band real quick sure, yeah so what's going on with this music thing that you're doing these days um yeah so our band's called bouquets or bouquets or boquettes or bouquets whatever you want to say <laughs> we still know i looked it up and it, it's still like it just depends on where you live like if you say bouquets or bouquets but anyways i, think I say now that you said all that shit yeah. i can't give you the genuine answer yeah. to how i would say it but i think probably bouquets is probably how i would say it i think i would say bouquets as well but Ever since we started the band, I've been saying bouquets because when I first came up with uh, the band and I was like making our Instagram for it, I put a pronunciation of it because it was the first one I saw. I didn't realize that there was such like a uh, an argument about which way to pronounce it based on the part of the world you're in. And so I was just like, okay, it's bouquets. Tomorrow or tomorrow? Yeah. 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 Who fucking knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that band came together. Um, I had an idea. I was I was really into this band called Nothing. Um, still am. They're not great people, but they make great music. Um, and it was kind of the combination of adding shoegaze elements to heavier, grungier uh, rock music, and keeping the vocals very like low key, subtle, quiet. Um, and I've always struggled with my confidence in my voice. And I thought that when I listened to that, I was like, oh man, here's a guy that's He's not he's not a great singer, but he's delivering vocals in this really great way. And the production that they're using and the vocal effects that they're using plays into the style of music that they're playing. Like shoegaze sounds dreamy and spacey, and there's this there's lots of reverb and lots of layers to it, and that makes it what it is. And so I I was just like I think I could do that. I think I could be I think I could be a singer in a shoegaze band. And that's the idea. And then I I just reached out through Facebook. I was like, and I do this. I did this every year. I'd be like, hey, I don't have any instruments or gear, and I'm not a great guitar player. But does anyone want to start a band? Which is like not (laughs) a great thing to offer people when you want to start a band. But luckily, um, these three gentlemen um, were the the first people that asked me that they're interested, and then they're in the band. And it's Warren. uh, He plays bass, and I knew him because he's sound engineer at Spirit, and I was doing hosting bingo shout out to warren warren the good dude we um, like yeah yeah warren's great and then a regular at bingo um his name's clark he reached out he's like yo i'll do drums like it was just like a simple message he's like i'll do drums and i didn't even know he played drums because he was just a regular that came to bingo when yeah. i hosted uh and then my friend ryan who i've known for a little bit ryan thompson um because 
I was doing solo acoustic stuff um, when I was younger, and we did a house show together at his house. And or no, it's his friend's house. It's friend Eddie's house. And I had done a house show here in Pittsburgh, and he was doing comedy, and he did a comedy set during that house show. And we just always like kept in touch, like similar music taste, similar yeah. uh, philosophies on whatever is happening in the world, and we just kind of kept in touch. And I saw him at the gym one day. We went to the same gym, um, and he was just like he was like really eager to get started. He already had like guitar parts written that like fit in the vein of what we we're trying to do, which is like. Uh, elements of shoegaze with heavier grungier music so we've been doing it um probably have played it probably not like maybe five shows maybe six shows i forget but it's been awesome i love it it's also very difficult to get us all together because we're all we all full-time jobs and it's hard for us to get together it's just been slow to like get um to a point of playing but now we are playing shows and we have a record well ep that we're partially recorded we're trying to finish it before the year hopefully um our next show is november 5th at howlers with um fortune teller which i'm really excited about cool it's a, it's a two-piece band and they're like really heavy really fuzzy i just think we're gonna have a really good show that night and yeah. then this band called mustermind from new york i think from brooklyn they're the ones that reach out to us to set up so we have a show in november but probably not many shows uh, besides that, because we really want to focus on getting this EP recorded. Yeah, I was earlier today, my friend Erica from the band Working Breed was here, mm -hmm. and we were chatting about this, and I'm going to talk about it again with you to get your perspective mm -hmm. on it. Um, just how long it takes to do things when you're on this underground level. You know, when you're, especially if you're older, if everybody in your band's in their late 20s, 30s, mm -hmm. and okay, we all have full-time jobs, we want to do this band, but we have, you know, jobs, family, some people were still in school. Other things, some people were in other bands. And uh, okay, so the concept of like an album taking three and a half years to make, it sounds crazy on the surface. And a lot of times you get people that are fans or friends that are like, why is this taking so long? Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel bad. But it's yeah. at the same time, it's like, okay, at the most, we probably have a couple hours a week that we're even able to get together to do anything. Right. And it just takes so much fucking time. So anytime a band actually puts together like, a full album of material mm -hmm. even if it's something that i don't necessarily gravitate towards personally mm -hmm. i can't help but respect any like underground band that can go through that the ringer yeah. of writing songs recording them putting out physical product doing all the promotion for it even with something like these books yeah. like there's so much effort that goes into it and like it really shouldn't be ignored because it's yeah. not like this thing where you just snap your fucking fingers and there's an album that's done yeah it takes yeah. so much fucking time and so much just like patience and compromise and persistence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's and especially crazy. when you have, I mean, when you have a band, there's multiple people in our band is four people. Like you are getting things done while every individual person is dealing with everything else in their life that takes, that takes priority and should over, over a project or a band. Like I think, you know, we all have family, we all have friends, we all have uh, other passions we want to pursue. And, I think when you're at an underground level, like you don't have, you're not getting, no one's doing this because we're getting paid a lot of money or no one's doing it because we just have all this extra time. It's like, no, we're, this, the passion comes with like the sacrifice and the time that you put aside to go to practice and to play the shows and to the money you invest in the things that you hope people will like. And maybe you'll get your money back. Maybe you won't. But yeah, it's, 
it definitely and then you feel and you do feel like you do feel that pressure on yourself to like get something done like you're like oh I, like our record should be done by now but then you're but then you just just take a step back and you're like we're kind of just doing this for ourselves like this is our project like when it gets done like we want it to be the best thing it can be and there's no need to rush that there there's no one is saying like hey uh here's your deadline the deadline is what we put on ourselves and i think that when i take a step back away from that and putting the pressure on myself to be like oh we should have, we should have a record out by now it's like eh. it will it, when it's done it will be done and it'll be great and we'll show our friends and we'll we'll play a show and, and it will be great and if it takes a little longer than we thought then that's fine that's at least how i've been dealing with it because i i think that I, I just speaking for myself like i put a lot of pressure and deadlines on myself that don't exist there's yeah. like there's no deadlines i I've, just think there is in my head i've been very unnecessarily guilty of that yeah um it happens more frequently than not and i'm trying to get better at managing that mm-hmm. and not being so fucking stressed out over the all the time like over like okay like my podcast is coming out late <laughs> like okay yeah you know like sure there's people that listen to this shit but th- it's okay if it comes out tomorrow that's fine yeah it's like how many people actually listen to it right when it comes out some people might not even be checking for it until a couple days later anyways mm-hmm. everybody has other shit going on yeah it's not like i'm fucking saving somebody's life or you know taking someone's kid to school or do it you know it's just, it's whatever this is just like selfish little things that i do yeah. you know so i just and there, things we're, there are things we're passionate yeah. about and that and they they're life-giving and to, to us you know and, and they we i think like the value that you hold in in art is just as important as the value as, as the value you hold in anything else but definitely like i never i was telling i was talking to someone about this the other day and i was like i don't want to bring bullshit into the beautiful things like i don't want to that's a really good way. Of, that's yeah. Interesting. I I the bolt like I do the beautiful things to deal with the bullshit. I never want to bring this the terrible stuff into the beautiful stuff. I don't, and it happens. It's like sometimes out of your control, but like I at least just from like a a personal mental perspective, like I try not to let the the negative stuff come into why I love writing poetry. Some and sometimes I, I think I, I there's a poem in this book specifically about. Uh, a moment i'm not gonna put anyone on blast or anything but like there's there's this moment in my life where i unfortunately because social media exists and it's like just ever present in our lives i saw a video that someone had posted of a poem that i had written so i wrote i wrote this poem for someone it was it was like for them and i saw a video from the friend of that person and it was a video of them reading my poem, but like in a mocking way. They were oh like, no! They were like mocking the uh, the earnestness of the poem, and like I, I'm not even gonna, like it stung. Like I, sure. I for like for like a week, I was like I like didn't I used to post um, snippets of my poems on Instagram. Like I stopped doing that, and I went private, and I was just like it just like got in my head. I was like, Oh, like someone could use my art to make me feel bad about myself. That fucking sucks. That's fucking crazy. But I got over, I mean, but like the way I got over is just, I wrote a poem about it. I wrote a poem about that (laughs) feeling. Yeah. Read this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of what it felt like. It was just like, it was like, Oh, like that's, I feel so strongly about what you just did. I'm going to write about it. But, um, yeah, I mean like you can get so caught up in, in, uh, the negative things about, 
life and when the that affects like the art like i just take a step back i'm like whoa like i love fucking writing poetry i love it i i think it's good i think i write good poetry and if someone wants to make fun of it then it's not that the poet it's not that i think that my poetry is worthy of being made fun of it's just i think that person isn't someone that i need to concern myself with sure they just they obviously don't understand where it's coming from and that's fine they don't have to but i don't have to beat myself up just because it's they didn't um it made them they felt like it was something that was like worthy of being mocked i love the the idea that like even i mean i don't know exactly how old you are but i would say late 20s 30 30 you're 30 yeah, yeah. congrats i'm turning 34 Thanks. in a few weeks so don't worry oh much you about look it. great for 34 thank you i didn't know that yeah i've so, known you a long time i know you're 30 we're up there yeah we're up there Old but boys. I love the, the the idea that even in our 30s, we could still get bullied in yeah. some way. <laughs> yeah, like my feelings <laughs> it, were hurt. It, it makes me like if anybody <laughs> were to like try to do anything like that to me, it would just like I sure I I might be it would sting. Yeah. But at the same time, I'd be like, how old are we? Yeah. Like what? What is it about your life that you have nothing else better to do than right. to do this? Right. Yeah yeah it was it was pretty it was like uh it was like i think it was, like, it was a good thing that happened because i i it was just like a way of testing um i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this I, it was i think it's good that happened for me to see someone make fun of my poetry it's always in the back of my head that i'm, I'm writing poetry and that i could be the butt of a joke at any time because i i, I think there is like it's it's totally invalid but i think there is a stigma about just poetry in itself that it's like overly sensitive and that people that write poetry are overly sensitive and that it's like uh it can it can be like um something that you're made fun of because you like poetry or you write poetry well, dude it's like i mean with something like this with something like these books mm-hmm. like this is like the the literary equivalent of you just like taking off all of your clothes and being naked and just walking into public like here yeah. like, here's everything yeah yeah you know here it goes yeah you know you can you can admire it you can laugh at it you can think this is disgusting all of these things right here yeah because there's it's not masked with like guitars or a sick backbeat or like cool effects or anything like that you're really putting yourself out there so there's a lot to there's a lot to respect about that but also an unfortunate side effect is it it makes it really easy to target and kind of pull apart right yeah if anybody has that sort of like malice in them to want to do that yeah yeah and i think that it's for me i don't know like i think poetry came to me because i wanted i I wanted to be i was a singer and i wanted to sing in bands but i didn't have the resources i didn't have the people around me to like get the band so i just kept writing like writing is like the base of everything i've done with music it's always been about oh i have all these things i want to say and I also like playing guitar. And so like it just extends it just extends to the poetry. Like you you think about writing songs, that it is like giving a part of yourself. And but like you said, it's also kind of masked in this entertainment value, everything else that's happening. But then when you're left with just the words, you really are it's just you're having these like really private conversations that weren't meant to be heard out loud, or they were meant to be heard with like guitars behind it, and it's like fun or it's it's or it's dark or whatever it is, but like sometimes i write something and it's like and i have and there's definitely poems i've written that i haven't like shown people or there's poems that i 
right. I'm like, oh, I hope they don't see it. And it's, but I like that about, it. I, I like that it, it forces me to have these conversations, whether with myself or the reader that um, are easier for me to write about than for me to, to like actually like come out and say myself, it gives me that, that window and that avenue to express those feelings. Cause there's a lot of stuff. I mean, most of my stuff I write about, I say it comes from a, uh, more intense emotions like i'm never i usually don't write a poem because i feel content about something usually it's there's some sort of push and pull that's happening um or there's something that happens that has more weight to it than just what happened and i like i'm digging through that to find the poetic value of that um but that's just like kind of my thoughts on you know being a poet and accepting that i'm someone that claims that title as a poet and people some people will get it and some people won't and at this point it's like i don't really care anymore because i just love doing it you can't care especially if it's something that you care about yeah yeah i mean like there's people that think that like you know being in a band is silly yeah or having a podcast like why would you have a podcast now everyone has a podcast like i've been doing this for five years motherfucker (laughs) see that vein in my neck when i did that i can't even get it to come back because i'm not that was like a genuine anger no i see from here though nice jesus christ congrats but no i've been the vein that's a great that was a good vein i'm gonna tell you this i wish this wasn't empty because this has to be one of the best spiked seltzers i've ever had bon and viv this is this was fantastic i've had 90 calories i've had um i mean i've had the white claws i've had the trulies and they're both good in their own right but i've definitely had grapefruits Mm -hmm. from i don't know which one Mm -hmm. i really like the mango white claw mango white claws up there i think that i've had maybe i think truly does a grapefruit yeah well uh, i can't remember but i remember i had a grapefruit from one of those other brands and it tasted way more chemically than this yeah i think they taste some of them taste watery yeah this has like this had like a really good natural flavor as it says naturally flavored Mm -hmm. again we am not sponsored by these motherfuckers i'm just not yet it was, a, it, it was delicious it was, i'm gonna try to find some of this i'm glad man i um i had so like the past the past few days i've been hanging out with this girl and it's been amazing shout out to my baby uh and like we got six we got a six pack of them and i was like i was gonna before i came to the podcast i was like oh i gotta get another six pack and i was like mm, there's two of these guys left and these are really good so i'm glad you like it because it's all i had but uh, I think it's really good. I really like uh, Spike Seltzer in general. I know it's like a fad and it'll probably pass like someday, but I, I'll I love tell you it. this. I'll tell you this. So I totally understand the stigma and the uh, how easy it is to target uh something like a spiked seltzer it's yeah. almost like a like a being a poet or something you know, <laughs> yeah right? yeah like it's like the overly sensitive yes alcoholic beverage yes, right yes but see my perspective is i'm somebody okay so if i go out and i'm in a social situation mm-hmm. this is fucking perfect because drinking a lot of beer is bad for me because right. i'm trying to watch my weight i'm trying to watch what i'm eating mm-hmm. and you know but i'd also don't want to like spend a bunch of money on like cocktails or just like liquor and i my body does not react well to liquor like something with like all the extra sugar and stuff that's in it even a lot of beer just fucks with me because i try to stay away from that stuff mm-hmm. so whenever i have it my body's like what are you doing to yourself yeah. and like it's just like on top of being like drunk i'm putting all this other shit that's not the alcohol part mm-hmm. into my body that's normally not in it so these work really well because if i'm in a social situation i have like this like anxiety thing where i always need to be drinking mm-hmm. but i yeah, don't want to yeah, drink yeah. just like fucking normal water yeah. and i don't want to drink like 
soda or something because that's all fucking garbage so this like meets the right mark because also dare i say i don't mind having a little buzz when i'm out and about (laughs) yeah it's nice so this really checks all the boxes for me in terms of like okay it's not terrible for me it's not overly sugary i can drink a few of them not gonna feel super bloated i don't have to feel bad about eating dinner yep and i get a little bit so i i fully endorse this spiked seltzer thing and if anybody anytime there's always people that are like you know they'll they'll call you out on some shit and i'm like well it's a good thing i didn't buy one for you motherfucker (laughs) you know yeah 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 no, it's I, like, like, oh, what? You're upset that I'm drinking this? What the? F- were you gonna ask me for a sip? Yeah, were, did you want? Were you gonna lick the rim of my glass? Of yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck does it matter to you? Yeah, I, uh, I got it at a bar once, and uh, I'm not gonna say which bar, but I got it at a bar once, a normal bar, and uh, the bartender looked at me like disappointed that I ordered it. It was so weird, and he, then he poured it into a glass. I think just to spite me, <laughs> like he's just like, well, you can just give me the can, man. Like, I'll drink it out of the can. I got no shame. I like the cans, but I no, I love it. I, I'm like you. I don't like the. I I don't drink beer anymore. It's just it's too filling, too many calories. It doesn't get you that drunk unless you're doing like a really quality beer and then you're paying a lot of money for that. Yeah, but yeah, Spike Seltzer is great. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, for I mean, I I love beer, but I just can't deny the fact that whenever I started liking a lot of beer, and you know. Four years later, I'm up two shirt sizes. <laughs> you know, I used, th- this motherfucker used to wear a medium, and then all of a sudden, I'm wearing extra larges, and then the extra larges were starting to get a little tight. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. I'm back down to a large. Shoutouts to me. Just saying, just saying. I still, I still have my, I still, I still, I still drink more beer than i should to be completely honest but i'm working on it a lot of it just has to do with um you know just again just paying attention to what you're putting into your body aside from beer it's like foods and diets and when you're eating how it's there's so much i'm not going to get into a diet conversation because i don't even know what the fuck i'm talking about i'm not a a fucking dietitian i just know that uh if something seems like not a great idea should probably stay away from it that's a good that's a good way to go through and this comes from somebody that loves shitty food mozzarella sticks hey. god damn did you see the meme that's going around where it's like um it's a it's like a advertisement for twix but it's italian twix and it's just it's just oh. it's i haven't seen it it's just mozzarella sticks hell yeah <laughs> i fucking love that oh dude <laughs> that is fucking sick dude. Uh, i need to see that now that you fucking said that yeah. i'm gonna see that shit because you know Either well, Facebook heard it. Facebook yeah. heard me say it on your phone. It heard me say it. Yeah, it's somehow. right here. It's close enough. It's yeah. close enough. So uh, when I open this phone, when I open you, I want to see the the Italian Twix meme. That's pretty good. I laughed. I chuckled. <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes in the past few days because I I don't know. I just like I have this one group text with two of my friends, and all we do is send memes to each other. And we must have had a lot of free time on our hands. We just had a ton of memes to each <laughs> that's other. some that's some nice adult shit, though, to be able to do that. Yeah, it's great. Hell yeah. It's called uh, our, our group chat's called Dem Boys. It's pretty good. Uh, okay. And it's and the, so the new thing we have, we have memes. And then we also do uh, point of view. So we do boys point of view. And it's the rule is that someone initiates it in the group text. And then everyone in the group text has to send a exact picture of what they're looking at in that moment right then it could be so whatever you're doing you have to take a picture 
of what you see and send it to the group. Okay. Chat, no matter what. We said, like, have you, this see, is have only you seen some be... have you seen some crazy shit? Not yet. A lot of, we, I saw, someone was in the bathroom once and I don't know. Uh, one of my friends was at uh he was like painting uh at a paint night for tattoo artists. That's not really crazy, but it was interesting. Not a point of view you see a lot. Okay. I'm sure neat. it will get more interesting as we go though. We have to call it out more though. It's just it's in uh it's in its like testing phases right now to see if people actually stick to it. Because it's not gonna be funny unless people really commit to it. And in that moment when they get the text, they're doing their point of view no matter what. I don't care if you're arguing with your girlfriend. Oh, like yeah. you're taking a picture and you're sending it to the group text. Oh man. But yeah, I know. Yeah. But that's it'd be funny. Yeah. Or like I don't know, like it's just kinda dark, but wouldn't it be funny if like you do that and then like someone's at a funeral and they're just like Oh no, and yeah. It's like just like church pews and people all wearing black uh, sure i think it'd be really funny so before we wrap this whole thing up yeah we're, we're approaching our hour here yeah, yeah, yeah got these books yeah do you want to tell people where they can acquire these things and is there a date set for the black forge thing um there's no date set for the black forge okay. thing. sorry you did ask me that earlier um but we're shooting for november um maybe the first second week of november um i will promote that um there'll be promotion around it, it I'll handle that. And you're just going to probably do that through like your personal channels. You don't have yep. like a poetry Instagram, I guess. No, not yet. We've Ooh, already, maybe yeah. I should do that, but I don't yet. I just have, uh, if, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's xgen with an X T I N dot bouquets or action dot James dot bouquets. Um, but the book I'm just selling through, um, you can like all of the apps like Venmo, Zelle, Google Pay. I have Square. If you if you're in Pittsburgh and we know each other and you want to pay debit or credit, um, cash is fine as well. Um, but it's just kind of like however you want to pay for it is fine. I'll, I'll make it work. But most people just kind of message me. It's all like friends and family. So yeah. But um, twenty five dollars for pre order, and then I will have bulk order of the book um, to sell at Black Forge. Details coming about that. Um, and you can come to Black Fortune, buy it if you want to. Uh, know their plans, like sell other than that. It just makes it easy for me. I just like keep things simple. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the way to do it. With uh, all of the the technologies and internets and things that we have nowadays, it's not that complicated. Yeah, you could do everything pretty simply. Yeah, just from the from the comfort of wherever you are sitting or laying or standing or. And like all of my all of the apps I use like for like merchant stuff, it's just like my name. It's just like at Christian Freeberg. Dollar sign Christian Freeberg. That's great. Hell yeah. So I don't know. Anything else? Uh, Where can people find Bokeh's? Uh, we have an Instagram, Bokeh's at Bokeh's PGH. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not on Spotify, but if you, there is a band called Bokeh's on Spotify. So uh, you can check them out if you want, but it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. We got booked for a show and they were like, um, so my we have different theories in the band. My theory is that it was a booker or is a uh, booking agent that had a template email that they sent out to bands. But it said like, hey, saw your music, really liked you guys, wanted to play the show. We have no music out there. And we got that email. And we were like, either they think we're the bouquets they saw on Spotify or it's just some kind of blanket email that they're sending out to all the local bands. But, sure. Uh, yeah. At bouquets, PGH, Facebook. Uh, we'll have a record soon. Uh, hopefully by the end of the year and I don't know what we'll do with it but probably like Bandcamp or Spotify something like that yeah uh, but like I I hope that if they want to see a band they come see us live I think we're a, a band to see live um, 
the as all bands should be. Yeah, absolutely. Where I I like to think of Bouquets as more of a experience based band. It's a lot of it's it's heavy and it's a lot of emotions and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I think live we have a lot of fun. So hell yeah, dude. Well, that's it for me i'm gonna do my outro and then we'll (laughs) hell yeah perfect timing (laughs) and that is all folks thanks so much for listening christian one more time i mean this is empty that's crushed but we can still cheers on that shit (sighs) i'll be back again in a few days same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is sykes start the beat 2019